You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Knows Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it's another sunny afternoon, which, you know, should be a good thing, but it's somewhat of a bad thing. We're kind of going through a dry period and what should be the wet period of the year. Um, so, we were kind of getting ahead on rainfall, and now we're starting to fall back behind again. So kind of weird when you're cheering for rain in Oregon. Um, <laughs> but that's the way it goes. So, you know, yesterday I was sick as a dog, um, and I'm sure folks that are anti-vaccine are going to, you know, probably say it, I told you so, but I got my uh, – shingles booster shot on Monday and didn't have any problems with the original shingles shot, which I, you know, was talking with producer extraordinaire before the show and trying to say the shingles series of shots and was having troubles with that. So we decided we have a whole new she sells, she sells down by the she store. It's, it's, she sells, you know, she got her, Single series shot. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I got my second one, and man, I had a, rea- a pretty good reaction to it. And I was just, you know, felt like I had a bad flu all day yesterday, tired as hell. My arm still hurts, um, but I'm much better today. But that said, it means I didn't do a whole lot of show prep. <laughs> And uh, was barely awake for the board meeting yesterday. It was kind of a kind of a boring meeting, so there's not a lot of content coming out of the board meeting. Um, but uh, we can find lots to talk about, I'm sure, on the Bose Nose Show, especially if you call in. And it's so easy to get in on the show. Six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. And just press one, and that you know raises the little hand on our board, so we know you want to talk, um, and uh, we'll get you in on the show. And you can ask me a question, or just bring up a topic you want to talk about. Uh, you know, we can have a conversation. Six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. Don't forget to press one because we do have people that call that number just to listen to the show because they might be away from their computers or at a Wi-Fi range or whatever, and they still might be in cell phone range uh, or they're driving or something like that, have a nice hands-free system. But we can cover a few things because, you know, the legislature's in session, which means it's probably a target-rich environment for for talk environment, talk topics. And, uh, you know, there's other stuff going on. 
you know, across the nation and even internationally. I mean, we have the truckers in Canada. And, and we have a bunch of countries that are dropping their COVID restrictions completely. And then, of course, here in Oregon, the OHA announces that they're still going to go through with that permanent rule because they don't want to have to bother with re-upping rules all the time. And But they announced that on March 31st, they will drop the mask mandate if certain criteria are met. And uh, once they drop the mask mandate, um, it has a lot of caveats in there. <laughs> you know, if, if you're a school district and you choose not to enforce a mask, uh, mask mandate, you, you kind of um, lose your ability to do tests to stay in school. Um, you, know, cert, you know, and what I'm really concerned about is they're going to make it incumbent on businesses to check vaccine records to not allow masking, but they haven't really said that formally yet. But it, you just kind of wonder if that's not coming soon. They're preparing a vaccine passport system to be ready for businesses to check people's vaccine status. Um, but of course, they're not going to have that. They claim there's no vaccine passports coming up. But uh, I'm really kind of concerned how all that's going to play out here in Oregon. Meanwhile, you know, other countries are dropping all their COVID restrictions as the Omicron waves pass. Because, you know, when you think about it, we've got a lot of the population's been fully vaccinated. A good portion of it's been boosted. What folks aren't vaxxed or boosted or incomplete series of vaccinations got the Omicron and survived it and now have a a certain level of natural immunity, which has been shown to actually last longer than some of the vaccine immunities. So when are we at the point where, you know, the, the elusive herd immunity is in play which there never will be because coronavirus is the kind of virus there's never herd immunity from. Um, what you can get is enough antibodies circulating that the severity of the disease becomes so low that it's no longer a true public health threat as a pandemic. It just becomes an endemic public health threat as a disease that can be severe and, you know, that you need to probably stay on top of, watch out for new variants, you know, change vaccinations year to year, whatever, for, for vulnerable populations. Just like they urge everyone over a certain age to get a flu vaccine every year, or if you've got certain, you know, pre-existing conditions, and or if a family member or somebody you're in close contact with, you know, should ought to get that flu shot. Um, it's going to be the same way with the COVID boosters every year. But I think we're reaching that point where we say, you know what? Time, we're officially calling an end to the pandemic. It's now endemic to the human population. And with that, you know, we've learned a lot over these two years of COVID. And we understand that cloth masks and, you know, 
poorly fitting mask and and a lot of the homemade masks, a lot of even some of the ones that look like surgical masks aren't effective against Omicron variants and weren't really very effective even against the other variants. People don't wear them right, whatever. You know, and I don't know if we're going to get to the point where we're going to issue high quality um, KN95s and M95 style masks to the general population and have everybody go in for a a fitting to make sure they're getting the correct size and and getting training on how to wear them correctly. I mean, that's about the only way you're going to make masking somewhat effective. Even then, it's not 100%. It does add a layer. It had some protective, and particularly when we didn't understand the disease and some of the earlier variants that were very particulate bound um, as far as spread goes. But Omicron, way more contagious. You know, so you know, we we understand masks weren't really all that effective, even though the the study that shows some of the um, shutdowns and and all that weren't truly effective. Uh, that still has to go through um, peer review, so we can't point to that as, as science until it finishes the peer review process, but it's indicating that even some of those methods were ineffective. So it's kind of now we understand disease. Now we've been able to go back and look at what was effective, ineffective, and now we've got treatments that are much more effective. Even if you get the disease, um, maybe it's time just to kind of go, you know what, it's time to start returning to normal. <clears throat> And uh, I think maybe the first place we really ought to be looking carefully at returning to normal is with our kids. And yes, I don't have any kids, so I have no skin in the game. And you know, I, I got jabbed for that in the past board meeting because they, you know, tried to play on that fact. You know, where, where as you know, one of the other commissioners said something as somebody that has children. You know, it's like, great. Um, doesn't mean I'm not any less concerned about it. You know, plenty of nieces, nephews, grandnieces, and grandnephews um, in the world. And I am concerned about kids just as much as they are. And I'm greatly concerned about the psychological and emotional impact that masking is having on young children for almost zero benefit. There is almost no benefit to masking kids. I mean, if it's it's probably not very measurable. First of all, they're the worst offenders in not wearing masks correctly. So if you think Omicron defeats cloth masks and some other, you know, that you know, think about a kid. How many times do you see kids with a mask on their chin or their forehead or their nose is sticking out or, you know, whatever, or they're sucking on their mask. You know, speaking of hygiene and all that stuff, it's just like it's it's the one place where we ought to go first to relieve the mask mandates. And it's the one place where OHA is basically, you know, in their rules basically said, ah, we'll sort of lift the mask mandate 
except for if you lift it in schools, we're going to take away the test to stay stuff. So kids will have to stay home for, for two weeks from school if, you know, one of their family members tests positive. Yeah. It's, it's silly. And kids have such a low severity rate with COVID. The younger you are, the less severe the disease is. They are in all the statistics. Two years of statistics. Very little hospitalization rate for children. Almost no deaths. And where we see hospitalizations, it's in kids that are severely obese or have some kind of contributing health factor. So we're going to mask up all these kids for the the very, very few that might be vulnerable to disease, which leads to the question, you know, you're, you're doing harm to all these kids to protect one single kid. Maybe it's time for that kid to that kid to wear a mask and maybe to have his parents and him go to a class to teach him to wear it correctly and get it fitted correctly and all that good stuff and not cause such harm to to the rest of the kids because we are doing harm between the fear we're putting into kids the lack of understanding of of what people are saying and the emotional content behind what they're saying because most of their face is hidden. Have you ever tried to understand the difference between Bill and Dill when someone's wearing a mask? Real easy if you can see their face because Bill requires lips to come together and Dill, they never touch. (laughs) Yeah. So you can imagine how many other B and D sounds are like. Ah, yes. Yeah, so we just, you know, and just the, the lack of being able to see expressions and understand the emotions and, and the socialization that that prevents between children. I mean, we're seeing, you know, an increase in suicides in youth, an increase in drug use and and some other issues, it's time to take the mask off our kids. We'll work on the rest of it later. But I think it's time to take the mask off the kids. So moving on, because I've covered that topic before on the Bose Nose Show, Let's talk a little bit about our, you know, famous um, legislature up there in the Marble Nut House. They're proposing some bills that just, I have to shake my head about them sometimes. You know, I'm seeing again, you know, a bill to phase out retail sales of diesel. Now, I don't know why Michael Dembro's got such a thing on for for diesel fuel, 
and diesel in general. He tried, tried to clamp down on diesel engines before. I've actually testified in front of the committee that he was chairing at the time and helped kill a bill a couple of years back because diesel is not an air pollution problem in the state of Oregon. If you're worried about the air pollution from diesel, you should be much more worried about wildfire. Same constituents, particulate matter, PM25, and polyaromatic hydrocarbons, PAHs, which are carcinogenic, come from diesel fuel exhaust, although the newer diesels have almost no PM25 because they're filtered and they burn cleaner. So that's actually going away with time as, as the old diesels age out of the fleets and replaced with newer diesel engines, which it's been years since you could buy, yeah, I think it was 2008, they, they phased over to the clean diesel. Um, and you're getting those same things out of forest fires and there is no clean forest fire technology. <laughs> There's no aging out of a fleet there. When vegetative material burns in a wildfire, it creates PM25 and it creates polyaromatic hydrocarbons. And most of those in Oregon's water airshed come from wildfire, the vast majority. The second largest contributor is fireplaces. and burning wood for heat. Diesel's way down the list. The small, small portion of the amount of those two pollutants that enter our airshed annually. But we're gonna pass a bill that makes it illegal to have retail sales of diesel because they don't want you driving that 65 mile gallon diesel Jetta you bought, you know, a few years back <laughs> or driving your, you know, pickup truck that you haul your RV with, you know, because you just, you're, you, people can't have that stuff. They also don't think about the fact that a heck of a lot of farmers drive those same diesel rigs because they need them to tow their load of cattle to the market or their load of hay or just generally haul equipment around. And they don't all go to Pacific Pride or have their own pump you know, at their farm. Some of them might have to pull up to a retail outlet now and then. But they make you know, the ban on diesel sales of retail because they think it's gonna phase out passenger diesel engine, you know, in, in the in the and for for almost no benefit to the airshed of Oregon. Just take away your choice of what kind of fuel you can use in your vehicle. So that's brewing in the legislature. And then, you know, we got other bills. You know, I talked about Senate Bill 1510, I think, a little bit last week, where they want to stop, you know, cops from pulling people over for traffic light violations and parole officers from going to people's place of employment if they don't show up to their appointments. Um, and then uh, 
Along with that, it was going to take $10 million and hand it, hand it in a no-bid contract to a Portland uh, nonprofit to hand out, you know, basically racial justice grants. Um, but, you know, that, that little piece of insanity is, you know, there's other stuff. And probably the one that was, you know, really jumping on people was a proposal for sales tax. But fortunately, late coming news is that it got killed today, yesterday. It, it failed to, to move forward out of committee uh, after super strong opposition. But just to give you kind of a hint, you know, because a lot of times these bills that come up and then fail are just kind of a hint of what they're planning to do. And it was a trial balloon of a kind. The sales tax was going to fall on things that, you know, the elite see as um, the play toys of, you know, the country folk. The, the people that, you know, the, the working class that, you know, they, they have such, um, they claim that they are trying to be the champions for on one hand and then turn around and are always smacking them with the other. And they were going to go after things like, you know, if you bought a jet ski or a uh, outboard motor, uh, you know, quads and all sorts of things that, you know, people entertain themselves on the weekends that are part of that working class. They were going to tax all that stuff. You know, it just and the list went on and on about what they were going choosing to tax. And then what they're going to use the tax for was basically to give $750 checks, you know, to um, low income adults, as they put it, which was basically they were going to try and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, help out all these homeless people by giving them a debit card with 750 on it. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much they understand that. Society and, and, and particularly the a good portion of the homeless population that has substance abuse disorder. But I know a friend of mine that was suffering from substance abuse disorder that became homeless for a while told me that she could sell her Oregon Trail debit card for 60 bucks. What do you think that, you know, that $750 debit card is going to go for for cash so that you can buy drugs with it instead. There's going to be somebody out there that's going to buy a $750 debit card for $200 happily. And, you know, that's what they'll end up getting used for. They'll get sold. Uh, we're going to tax the working class you know, and the things that they like to buy and, 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 and their, their toys, so to speak, so that we can give out these debit cards that will probably get sold for cash to support, you know, drug habits. It's just like, oh, my God, these people don't have a clue. But I'm so glad that at least got killed, but expect it to come back. If not from the legislature as a as a initiative petition project where they'll try and get it on the ballot and they'll sell it like they sold, you know, 
uh, Measure 110 is it was going to be this wonderful thing where people were going to get access to, um, you know, drug treatment when actually all Measure 110 succeeded in doing was giving people get out of jail free cards for using drugs and has really not expanded access to drug treatment at all in this state. Ah, yes. So the legislature's in session and things are getting silly up there. Oh, well, what else can we talk about today, Robin? I I just want to pause and remind folks, this is a call-in show, 646-721-9887. And just press 1 if you want to get in on the the Bose Nose show. Uh, That lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the show again, 646-721-9887. And uh, we'll talk about what you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose show. You know, as we think about some of the other things going on in the world, um, I, I I have to revisit a couple things because because you know it just some things are worth revisiting. So this year, you're going to start seeing a fee on your electricity bill, and it's basically going to support the distribution of charging stations for electric vehicles. Mind you that, you know, one, we got one bill that's going to stop selling diesel gas, you know, diesel fuel at the retail level. So we're going to take away your diesel stations, which there is no government subsidies involved in, in the distribution of diesel or the retail sales of it. But we're going to throw a fee which impacts the working and poor and and underserved the most because paying their electric bill is tougher and tougher. But we're going to add that fee to electric bills so we can put in more electric charging stations around the state for the rich folks from Portland that own electric vehicles. And that already passed the legislature. That's why it's going to be on this year's bill. So when you start getting utility bills, start looking for that fee. And just know this. Think about electric vehicles. There's only about 41,000, roughly 42,000 across the entire state of Oregon. But where they're concentrated the most is in Multnomah County, Washington County, and Clackamas County. Of those 42,000, over 26,000 are in those three counties. Now, Lane County is coming up right behind them we got 3000 some odd in lane county but i mean i don't know if anyone's ever priced an electric vehicle they aren't cheap and they're subsidized heavily and they're still not cheap they're going to put a fee on the electricity bill that's going to go to some fixed income senior on social security to pay for some fat cat 
to be able to charge his his Tesla somewhere out in the country. Now, I don't remember us having to tax somebody to get gas stations built in this country. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, when you think about that diesel bill and you think about this fee at the same time, it's like, oh my God, social engineering at its finest and absolutely no concern for the poor and working class in this country by the, by the elite progressive Democrats that are currently the supermajority in our state house. And I see Robin's ready and waiting because she's dying to talk about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I like to do research and I also have a long memory. Uh, one of the most recent researches I did was on the registration renewals for your vehicles. And I did that because mine's coming up. And one of the changes that they're doing is that the amount of your registration is going to be based on your EPA mileage of your vehicle. So mine's going to be $110 for two years. An electric vehicle is $200. Now, going back into a little bit of history, Jay, you probably remember this when the push was to buy vehicles that get uh, um, more miles to the gallon. You know, we're supposed to help, you know, greenhouse gases and help the economy or the ecosystem. And what happened is that federal mandated higher mileage, and one day they said, we're not bringing in as much road tax as we used to. So we worked, and we finally are paying more per gallon. Well, quoting a guy that I know that actually owned a Tesla, he says, hey, I'm driving for free. I plug in at my house. I pay, you know, the registration. I get to go, you know, drive on these roads for free. Well, as we're pushing to have more and more electric vehicles, you know, what goes around comes around again. Pretty soon they're going to say, hey, we have all these electric vehicles that are not contributing to the uh, to the road fund. And so we're going to put in that per mile tax, uh, excuse me, that variable per mile tax yeah. and make that mandatory. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one to come. And, and, and yeah, and the variable per mile tax is probably going to also um, have us you know, pay on, you know, if it's rush hour, your miles cost more. Yeah. To uh, create a toll bridge without actually doing uh, anything more than setting a GPS coordinate. Yep. Yeah. I mean, your car gives out, gives off a signal now that basically tells, you know, that if you ever see those signs above the highway that say so many minutes to get to this intersection, if you go I-205 or I-5, on the way to Portland, you know how they know that? They track that signal between points and they can, and the, and the, tells the computer and the computer posts it on the side. They can already track your vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, general public, for uh, contributing to the uh, road information system. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that does lead to, you know, this whole issue of, um, how do we pay for our roads as we go into electric vehicles? And, I, you know, I do know they've raised the registration fees. It is still nowhere covering the wear and tear caused by that vehicle over a year or the two years, the registration fee, the difference. 
compared to the amount of gas tax they probably would pay if they had an internal combustion engine. So, yeah, I just, it's going to be interesting to see how that morphs over time. You know, maybe every time you hook up to a charge station, there'll be a uh, road fund fee. You know, no matter how much charge you take in, there's a 10 cent added fee <laughs> every time you charge your vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Or like you said, it'd be on your utility bill in addition to the charging stations. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're now going to start using your electric bills to collect road funds. Well, what, what was it they wanted eWeb to start collecting that was not even related to utilities? It was about a year or two ago? Uh, I know they wanted to collect the stormwater fee, which they still, which they are doing, but it's the city's fee. But there was another fee. I forgot what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was unrelated to the bill. But yeah, it just, I, I really dislike using one utility or service fee, you know, fee for service type public uh, infrastructure to pay for another. You know, I. You know, they were talking at one point about trying to raise our our trash fees to pay for our stormwater program. It's like, no, the trash fees pay for the trash system, you know, the solid waste system. It, you know, the running of the dump, the, 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 the transfer sites and that sort of thing. Don't muddy it up. We already We already divert some of that to our land management department. You know, which was a decision made before I became on the board. But you know, we, you shouldn't. We shouldn't be using this to pay for that and that to pay for this, because next thing you know, the public can't track the finances between them all, and it's too easy to hide the P. You know, as they're playing the shell game. Yeah. When's the last time you really looked closely at your utility bills? Like mine, I'm paying uh, fifty-eight dollars in city sewer charges and there's a water runoff fee in here somewhere too yeah which is your storm water yeah yeah if you look at if you're in eugene or springfield there's the you know, on the utility bill most of your cost will be um your that sewer charge and you know the stormwater charge and your electric bill your water the actual water portion of your bill is is really pretty small yeah. Um, but even that's climbing. I was going to sneeze there. Almost had to. <laughs> almost had to hit the, the red button. Uh, of course, I'm not fast enough. I probably would have sneezed before I had a chance to mute myself. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. But you know, it it it's amazing what they're already sticking in. You know, that stormwater stuff that's stuck into the 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 your water and electric bill <laughs> the sewer stuff that's stuck into your water and electric bill oh it's just amazing again when I was doing my research today <clears throat> and going to the government websites I try to get to the source as much as possible and I stumbled on this it was on the same page of vehicle taxes but it had a listing of a ton of different taxes and one of them was <clears throat> is that if you purchase something in Oregon and you're um, and you live out of state so you purchase something in Oregon and you resell it back to somebody in Oregon you have to pay an additional tax for that sale 
So you're paying the tax from buying it in Oregon, and you're paying additional tax because you lived out of state, but you're selling it back in Oregon. Hmm. Oh, joy. And then, the, um, then, of course, we got the cat tax. And the good explanation that <clears throat> um, Lars actually brought this up the other day, a good explanation is that if you're a startup company and you have a million dollars in sales, well, it may have cost you $800,000 to make that million dollars. And you would think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to pay tax on uh, 200000 in profit. No, you're going to pay the tax on the full $1 million in gross receipts. Yep. And, you know, we've talked about how that tax impacts high dollar volume, low profit businesses. And one of those is pharmacies, because there's these pharmacy benefit organizations out there now that kind of um, set the reimbursement rates for pharmacies for various drugs. But they don't set how much the pharmacies are paying for those drugs. Um, so the, the profit margin in pharmacies is very small, and the cat tax, um, because the you know you may at the register not pay a dollar, but there's actual transfer of money from your insurance company to the pharmacy that happens. That's the dollar volume they're being taxed on is all those reimbursements. But those reimbursements are barely paying for the drugs nowadays. So we're seeing pharmacies close up here in the state of Oregon because they, the corporate activities tax is taking them into negative territory because they're paying that, that half percent or one percent, depending on how many millions of dollars they make, um, on that gross sales. And Bymart said one of the reasons they closed their pharmacies was the corporate activities tax. There are other reasons driving some of those decisions, but that was one of the major reasons. Um, and Bymart was running most of the rural pharmacies in Lane County. So we now have no pharmacy in Benita. They, they eliminated one of a couple pharmacies in Junction City, eliminated one of, a, of only a few pharmacies in Florence. You know, it's just, it really hurt rural Lane County to lose. And when they closed all those pharmacies at the same time, everybody was scrambling to get their prescriptions transferred. It was nearly impossible to transfer prescriptions. The other pharmacies stopped answering their phones. You had to walk in with the paperwork to transfer a prescription. Talk about a time suck. You know, it was it was horrible, and and it's just now starting to to work itself out where people are aren't having to you know where the where Walmart on West 11th is answering their phone again because they were so inundated with people that had, that were using Bymart and Vanita. What I don't understand didn't somebody recently say that Oregon is not exactly cash poor that they're actually doing better this year? Yeah. Yeah, why do we need to raise taxes when they've got these millions and millions of federal money coming in? And they really didn't do that badly through the through the pandemic. You know, they got more than enough 
they didn't have that big of a drop in revenue and they got more than enough federal funds to make up for the drop. And um, yeah, they're doing well financially. I mean, it got a, another couple billion they were having to spend this, this short session, which is technically what the short sessions were for, for, was to adjust the budgets. So that is actually something I support them figuring out what to do with that extra $2 billion they have. But they've got $2 billion more without a single new tax. Yet they keep proposing all these new taxes and fees. They always like to hide stuff by calling it a fee. Yeah, where does that money go? Uh, this giant sucking sound <laughs> called PERS and Public Employee Union Compensation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It disappears pretty fast. So before we run out of time, you know, I'll just remind folks again, we are calling show 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one. I want to cover one other thing because this kind of got brought up just tangentially in a board meeting. And it sort of relates to this whole social engineering around climate change and, you know, the push to eliminate retail diesel sales, you know, the fee on your, on your electric bill to support the Tesla owners in Portland. You know, there's something called PACE. And what PACE stands for is Property Assessed Clean Energy. And uh, one of our fellow commissioners, Joe Burney, brought that up in a board meeting. He wants staff to look into it for Lane County. And what that is, it can be a useful tool, I guess, in helping people finance uh, energy savings projects on their homes or businesses. But it was set up in the 90s and 2000s, particularly in California, and was so abused that little old ladies were basically agreeing to have like solar cells put on the roof of their house that would never, they'd never make up the cost of, getting that financed through their property taxes. And then when they couldn't pay the bills, the company that installed the solar cells would foreclose on the little old lady's house. Because that's essentially what they do is they use the property tax system to pay for the loan to do the work. And that loan ends up going ahead of your mortgage in priority for foreclosure by the way these statutes get set up in a lot of states. And they allow private contractors basically to solicit and enroll homeowners in the program. So there were a lot of companies that weren't very um, ethical that would go around and convince a lot of people that really couldn't afford it to either, you know, do insulation above and beyond what was really needed or install some kind of solar system or whatever would qualify under the, quote, clean energy program. And um, then wait for the person not to be able to pay their, the, the loan off and then foreclose. And in California, that was a really lucrative way to make money. Because generally, the property you foreclosed on, you know, had 
a, a first mortgage that was way below the value of it because of the way property exploded. So particularly if you picked on seniors to sell this stuff to, that was a really great way to make money because you basically had a house flipping business going where you get the house for a song and a, and a, and a dance and then be able to resell it. So people were making a whole lot of money kicking seniors out of the houses. And in the, and what's even worse is a lot of these programs don't require any appraisal of the ability to pay, and they don't require the person selling these improvements to check to see if the people are already eligible for low-cost energy improvements through other programs. I don't know about you, but I've had my windows replaced in two different houses with 0% loans from the local electric company. And I didn't even qualify under my income. They just had a program available. But these people will go and sell replacing windows to some, you know, some senior citizen and have them put it on their, their property tax bill, and they don't realize they could have done it through their electric bill at 0%. Or if they're low enough income, they could have probably qualified for, for these low income energy improvement projects and maybe even not had to pay a dime. So when you hear the term PACE, it's not a good thing unless it's done under really strict circumstances. Even then, I don't really like it because it's basically taking government and entering into the free market and choosing winners and losers. Because that list of, quote, eligible projects suddenly says, we're going to use our tax system to help finance a piece of the private sector economy. And it's going to be this specific group of projects we're going to allow, and, and we're not going to finance this or that. You know, it's like... Once we get into the business as government of picking that sort of winner and loser situation and using a taxpayer-funded system to subsidize it, that's a bad thing. That's one step away from fascism, government control of the economy. So, you know, that, you know if you want to know the real term, what it really means, a lot of people don't understand what fascism actually means. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I'm to find the article here, but there's a, uh, a city in Oregon that is wanting to put sidewalks in on their street. And it's going to cost the homeowner, I think, the, going by memory, around fifteen dollars to $20,000. And that'll put a lien on their property. Yeah. Well, and that that's something that's not too uncommon, but usually that takes setting up a, a what they call an LID, a local improvement district, where you have to get um, like a, a super majority of homeowners to vote to participate um, in in a street improvement project like that. They're supposed to, and I think there was a successful lawsuit about this, give the homeowner the opportunity to install the sidewalk at their own cost, you know, as long as they do it in, in, a, in the specifications the city wants. 
because I guarantee you most homeowners could probably get a sidewalk installed cheaper than the city can. <laughs> yeah, and I remember, I think it was in Eugene a long time ago where the city came in and put in a sidewalk, wanted to build a homeowner, and the homeowner said, hey, wait a minute, you didn't give me the opportunity to do it myself. <clears throat> so instead of negotiating it, they ripped the sidewalk out and made the homeowner put it back. But this yep. was the, and I can't find the article, but this is where city council voted to <clears throat> put the sidewalk in. They didn't go through the homeowners association or talk to the homeowners. And they were also talking about doing some major improvement to the streets and also putting a, a lien on the homeowners uh, for the cost of, of the road. Yeah, that's a good way to, to lose your next election as a city councilor. <laughs> uh, it's also a good way not to be able to sell your house. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, that anything that puts more on somebody's property taxes, I'm, I'm really reluctant to go there because I don't know if I, I haven't done this on a show in a while. Maybe I'll have to do a show about this. What's a fair way of taxing people? What's the most fair system of taxation we can devise to make it, um, you know, equitable and distributed and 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 also stimulate the economy and 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 other things and property taxation and taxation which is basically a taxation of wealth and wealth accumulation that doesn't really have ability to pay tied to it at all because you know there there's seniors that uh robin's got her cat i'm i'm currently being attacked by poodles um but <laughs> we you know Seniors are being literally having their homes, they lose the ability to stay in their own homes because their property tax bill becomes so large on a fixed income, they can't continue to pay the property taxes. And income taxes have all sorts of problems tied to them and how they actually suppress economic activity, how they've gotten over the years to be so convoluted that, you know, People can spend millions of dollars on lobbyists from K Street to change a couple lines in the tax code, and it's worth it to their company to spend those millions. You know, you think it has it's convoluted? It's convoluted. And it, you know, then you know, sales tax. A lot of people in Oregon don't like it, but when it comes down to it, if you start thinking about broad sales tax with no exemptions. It's actually one of the most fair ways to generate revenue for government that won't chase seniors out of their homes um, and can actually be, um, it's actually self-made to where rich people pay more than poor people because they spend more. Um, so one of these, we'll, we'll have a conversation about taxation and fairness maybe in a, in a future show. I'll have to prep for it first, but um, I guarantee you that the absolute most fair system is a consumption tax, not an income tax, not a sale, not a property tax, not a wealth tax. Consumption taxes tend to be the most fair system of 
taxation. So um, I have to laugh. Robin's having a big hug with her cat, the world's most tolerant cat. I've seen Robin hold this cat upside down, and it, and it will just hang there. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, on the one topic on the taxes, Jesse Ventura came up with a, a thought that um, – well, it gave me a lot of thought. It was regarding a sales tax, and he was saying, like, eliminate the federal income tax and replace it with a federal sales tax. And he said the reason for that, because under the current system, uh, the government gets our money before we do. And he says under a federal sales tax, it puts the government more in line with the economy because we get our money first, and they get it based on what we spend, like you're saying. And I think Oregon should probably do the same thing. Get rid of the state state income tax. Go ahead and put your 3% sales tax in with limitations, of course, because we know these guys, you know, they, they think it's candy. But to kind of put them more in touch with the heartbeat of the actual uh, financial structure of the Oregonians. Yeah. Yeah, and if you, if you take a sales tax and apply it to just to everything – the percentage it will be is will be very small. What happens is they try and go, oh, you know what? We can't tax food because poor people have to eat food, and we can't tax this because poor people have to eat that or whatever. You know, and what happens is they narrow and narrow it, so the percentage gets bigger and bigger. Which, which then when you think about having that poor people pay that, it, it sounds outrageous. But you know, poor people are paying income taxes. In different and, and taxes in, in many ways when they're buying their food, you know, it 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 doesn't matter. They're still paying taxes when they buy food. What they're paying for is the income taxes of all the employees involved in getting that food on the shelf for them to buy. You know, and that and it's still buried in the price, but. It, one of the things about consumer taxes is people see they're paying them. And if you increase it, everybody knows you've increased it. Well, that's just like if you had to, if your taxes were not deducted out of your paycheck and you had to write a check, physically write a check, every paycheck of the taxes that are being taken out. Yeah, there, there'd be people around the Capitol every year. Yeah. You know, they'd be swarming the capital every year if they had to write that check. And that's, you know, that whole withholding thing, that was genius on the part of the people that want big government. But it's horrible because people think about, you know, what their take-home pay is. They don't think about what their gross is. Exactly. I'm one of those. In fact, I make a point of not looking at my pay stub because it just makes me ill. Yeah. Yep, it does. What's even worse is I've been – I've been on the other side of it where I signed the front of the paycheck like you have. And I look at um, not just what the employee gets, but I look at what I have to pay for having that employee, the matching that I have to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I have to go, you know, after I do payroll every two weeks for, for my wife's business, and we only have four employees, including the two of us. It used to be five. We, we cut back an employee. Um and you you do the payroll and you see what has to go out, what comes out of your your checking account of the business immediately 
but then you have to turn around and do your federal income tax with deposit and your state income tax deposit. And then every quarter you have to do um, unemployment and you know, other deposits. You know, it's like, oh my God, it's just like there's so much beside just the check you wrote to the employee. There's that, that employer share of all of that stuff. <laughs> and then there's and then there's of course the now the statewide transit tax here in Oregon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Portland's got the arts tax. Eugene's got the uh, public safety tax, and then we got the annual TP tax. Okay, I called it the TP tax. It's actually called the personal property taxes on business, where you actually had to pay a tax on your toilet paper, and oh, yeah. I did you not. Yeah, yeah. I, believe me, I, I have to every year fill out that form and I have to give some kind of value to all of the office supplies in, in our office, including toilet paper, paper towels, you know, and then cleaning supplies, all of that has to be given a value so they can tax it as the personal property of the business. Yeah. When, when I first found that out, I called them up and I go, are you, you're serious, right? And they go, yeah. And I says, well, how do you put the value on toilet paper except at the need of the time? And with that, we, we are all, speaking of time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, a couple of years ago when COVID first started, that toilet paper was really valuable. <laughs> now, not so much. And with that, we'll call it another edition of the Bose Nose Show. We'll be back next week at this same time. Hopefully I won't get sick. I'll be able to do some better prep. We'll have a great conversation. Thank you for listening this week. Have a great week. And I'm out of here. I'm just done. <laughs> Oh, now, oh, I, can now I can talk. I can talk. <laughs> <laughs>